Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Or your existing roof with a quality coating system and can save you up to 70%. The roof coating systems extend the life of your roof and come with a 5 to 15-year leak-free warranty so you get the benefits of a new roof without the huge expense. So call Joe Stallnaker today, 901-287-1923 or visit 901waterproofing.com. Yeah, sometimes we laugh and sometimes we cry, but I guess you know now, baby. Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Coon Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. And it's like a ghost town. Ty Richardson hosts the morning rush 6 to 9 a.m. Monday through Friday at ESPN. Arkansas covers the SEC, covers college football very well. He is on X at Ty Sports Radio. Ty, what's the word? How are you, brother? Gabe, I'm good, man. I'm sitting in my uh, dad's old lazy boy, as I will be all day Sunday, watching the kickoff of the NFL season. Going to be an arrowhead tomorrow night for the Chiefs and Lions game and in face. Arkansas's home opener in Fayetteville. Yeah, um, speaking of which, tomorrow, I mean, maybe no Travis Kelsey, maybe no uh, Chris Jones. How do we feel about that? we think the Lions can cover that five and a half? I'm going to be honest, Gabe. I initially picked the Kansas City Chiefs in my survivor pool, but now I'm going with the Ravens. I, I like them. Er- I know. And okay. You're, uh, I, I'm not – I'm not um, competent in the Chiefs tomorrow night to either cover the spread, much less win. I could, I mean, Pat, how long has it been since Patrick Mahomes hadn't had Travis Kelsey as his safety valve right. and his go-to guy? So yeah, I'm a little, uh, I'm a little worried, and I'm not a Chiefs fan, but I think, uh, I think there's some some rumblings of worry from Chiefs faithful heading into tomorrow night. Well, you were gonna, you were gonna go Chiefs week one for your survivor yeah, pool. I'm, you weren't gonna save them for later in the season when you need them. Man, I've seen guys and gals try and save survivor picks for later in the season, and they end up getting beat in week one. I, I don't save picks. I okay. just go with the sure thing, and I don't think it's a sure thing now tomorrow night. Yeah, I hear you. Now, uh, week one of college football is behind us, and we had some uh, interesting storylines. I want to start with Coach Prime. Uh, I, I think we've discussed this before. What he did this offseason was revolutionary in a lot of ways. But to see it – against the number 17 team in the country on the road. You have his son, who's the quarterback, who he caught flack for for bringing his son in to start at quarterback. We saw him break the single-game passing record 
for yeah. Colorado. We saw Travis Hunter go both ways. Uh, Dylan Edwards, his freshman running back, was unbelievable. That was nothing short of spectacular, what we got to see, uh, Colorado versus TCU. Yeah, I mean, it had it all, and you just listed off a number of different players. Of course, Prime is going to be the the main people and the main uh, point that people kind of latch on to. But his son, obviously, the the story that came out when he was on McAfee earlier this week that evidently Kendall Bryle slided him at a camp, I I think that would have been either an FAU or Florida State. Um, You've got the dynamic of Travis Hunter being a two-way player like Dion was playing a hundred plus some odd plays. It was unbelievable yeah. how that how conditioned he was made a touchdown and interception. It was just incredible. And then really, again, the, uh, a storyline you mentioned, Shadur, who was unbelievable, but Dylan Edwards, the, like you said, the freshman running back who was just all over the field making play after play. That was, that was what you wanted a college football week one game to look like and give them credit. Cause they delivered a lot more than a lot of people, including myself thought they would in Fort Worth. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm just I, I think he's starting a trend, right? I mean, this this is 53 transfers coming in. I think 86, 87 new players altogether on that roster. I think there's a lot of lot of people, a lot of coaches around the country that'll look at that and realize, hey, I can do this as well. Yeah, Mel Tucker did in East Lansing a couple years ago, and they haven't been as successful since. So you don't always hit in my opinion, based on some of the track records I've seen. Like Arkansas, for example, two years ago hit. Last year, they got through Sanders and other guys, but it didn't mesh well and they had an injury. So I think there's examples you can point to that says, hey, this really works. And there's other ones you're like, oh, these guys don't bond early on in fall or spring. It's not necessarily going to work. And so, I'm again, I'm curious, like yourself, if this has become more of the norm. I mean, 20, 20 plus, 30 plus is one thing. But like you said, 50 plus, that is so different from what most colleges do when it comes to recruiting, especially in the portal. And it used to be, okay, you need three high school recruiting classes before you really judge a coach. I feel like I, I, we've lost a lot, especially with you know the one-time transfer, transfer portal in general. We've lost a lot of patience with coaches. I think we're going to lose even more patience, especially at the Power 5 level, at the power level. Gabe, you're you could not be more right, man. I mean, you think about what Deion Sanders – I mean, heck, Sonny Dykes took TCU to the National yep. Championship in year one. year. I'm – I mean, one year, and Fort Worth is, while well, it's, a, it's a hopping ground for high school talent, TCU hasn't necessarily been a beacon for college football. Gary Patterson did a good job there, but they weren't exactly just producing top-end teams year after year. So for him to take them all the way to the national championship in year one, that's just one of the many examples you can point to and say, well, the timeline, four or five years, you get about one or two now before people start calling for your job. Now, uh, another thing that jumped off the page in week one was uh, Florida State on Sunday just absolutely trouncing LSU. I, I didn't see that coming. i got to be completely honest with you. I know you didn't. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, you picked LSU to win the West in the I SEC did. this year. Um, that, was, uh, that was not a good showing uh, from Jaden Daniels or that team in general, that, that secondary looked miserable. You did try to get out in front of that and say you heard a lot about uh, the secondary in, uh, in uh, Baton Rouge not – being up to snuff, they certainly weren't. <laughs> no, they were not. And you got to give credit to your former coach, Mike Norvell, because he, he, his game plan in the second half was unbelievable. Jaden Daniels made a couple of mistakes for LSU, and Jordan Travis on the run was just dicing the Tigers' secondary up, in addition to their running game, which was piling. But what you have to look to for Florida State is they have 
incredible defensive linemen. I mean, they're yep. rotating guys in and out. Jane Daniels didn't have much time, especially in the second half. That, to me, looks like an SEC defense. And that's one of the reasons that immediately after our game, I was like, that's a playoff team that I'm watching yeah. in Florida State. I mean, I look up and down their, their schedule now. We thought Clemson was going to be the scary one on the road. at Clemson, and it still might be scary. Maybe Clemson starts to figure it out. We'll get to that in a second. But uh, that schedule does not look scary for Florida State the rest of the way anymore. No, it does not. And I, I think we, we have to tie this in as well. I don't think – People thought that Norvell was going to get let go or anything after this year. I mean, they, what they finished last season, successful. They beat LSU to start. But I did wonder, following Dion's win at Colorado, how his program and his team would respond. Because I guarantee you he's thought about, man, if I don't, if I don't fare well here, they're going to fire me and hire Dion. Yep. And what does he do? He rolls out. His team's ready to go. They, they, they kind of prevented LSU from doing a couple things in the first half. Because Daniels ripped them apart. I mean, they had, like, I, I think nearly 300 – total yards in the first half, yep. but they just stoned them in the red zone, particularly Twice. inside the five-yard line. Twice. I mean, yeah. that, that that really is how that game got defined to me. And I understand that uh, Florida State, especially in that second half, they had, what, five five possessions before they ran out the clock and they scored on all five, four of them being touchdowns. So that, that maybe still would have happened in the second half. But those those two Red zone stands in the first quarter really flipped the game ultimately to me and, and ultimately put it into Florida State's hands. Yeah, no, it did. And uh, Jaden Daniels probably should have uh, put the ball in the uh, the running back's uh, stomach at that point instead of taking it on one or two of those. And it just it got away. And then what, what – and I appreciate you mentioned that last week because what I had heard from LSU media that I trust is their secondary – was an issue in the off season, and it it was on display. Yep. You think about having to face Will Rogers in two weeks, KJ Jefferson in three weeks, and some of the dynamic SEC quarterbacks the rest of the way. I know Mason Smith will be back for Scrambling State, and from here on out. But if you don't have a back end, unless you're getting pressure every single play, they're going to get carved up at some points this year. Yeah, no question. Now talking with Ty Richardson uh, at Ty Sports Radio on X from ESPN. Arkansas. Now, Florida State looked great. LSU, maybe you picked them to win the SEC West. Alabama looked okay in week one, but it was Middles Tennessee State. Um, so maybe you feel a little foolish about that LSU pick, but they could definitely rebound. That Clemson team on the road at Duke, 28-7, should have been 28 nothing if it weren't for a, a muff punt by Duke uh, in, the, in, in Clemson's red zone. I sort of look at how college football is progressing and guys like Dion, guys like uh, Mike Norvell, guys like, I mean, hell, G.J. Kinney at Texas State who who beat Baylor week one this year after going 4-8 and eight last year and their last year with Jake Spavital. Like, people that are adjusting, evolving, using the transfer portal are thriving and guys like Dabo Sweeney who sort of have a, a, I don't know, I mean, there's just a, a resistance to change. Those guys are falling by the wayside. I, what did you think of week one with Dabo Sweeney? Cade Klubnik didn't look up to snuff. That defense didn't look up to snuff. It was the first time that I can remember in the Dabo Sweeney era where I watched them play a team like Duke, and I thought that Duke looked almost more talented than them that night. 
Well, I think Arkansas fans pointed to one person, and that's Chad Morris being on staff at Clemson. That's who they blame for Clemson's defeat on Monday night. And you mentioned Club Nick. I, I mean, I thought I, I saw some points of him last year. I was like, all right, he, he's going to – it wasn't DJU's team. He's going to move on to Corvallis, and, and they'll pick things up right where they left off. Well, that's not the case. And for Dabo, you, you mentioned some of the aspects that he's kind of been banging against while they seem to be trending towards him. I don't know what you do because the ACC is not making near the money that the Big Ten and the SEC are. So they're behind from a revenue standpoint and a football-producing standpoint. Clemson is is falling quickly. Florida State seems to be on the rise. So that's a, I mean, that's an issue. Mike Norvell right now is the biggest issue. Now they get Florida State, if I remember that correctly, they have to go to Death Valley in week four. Uh, Clemson's got to win that football game, man. Yep. If you want any any – any production this season, you've got to find a way to beat the Seminoles in week four. But that seems, I mean, that seems like, a, I mean, based on, obviously it's week one, but based on the production, what was put out there, week one, that seems like a ridiculous task. Cause it's something that, that I'm not going to say is impossible, but very unlikely to happen. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. And I think for, for Clemson, you think about some of the dynamic quarterbacks they've had recently. Like Taj Boyd started it all. He didn't win a yep. championship or anything, but unbelievable. Then you go to Deshaun Watson, who, of course, won a national championship. T- Should have won two, if not for some special teams miscues in, in 2016. And then you, you move to Trevor Lawrence, who I think is going to be – he might be the most improved player in the NFL this year. And you had Kelly Bryant, who was pretty good. They they didn't necessarily work out DJU and now Clubnick. I mean they gotta get a they gotta get a stud quarterback in there. I don't know yeah. if Clubnick's it or or well, who it is. It, they always seem to have someone though. I, th- I think we're doing a disservice by sort of just blaming it on that because Kate Clubnick's a five star guy. <laughs> Kate Clubnick yeah. was one of the top uh, quarterback recruits in the country coming out of high school. You know, and I hear a lot of people sort of talking about Nick Saban and how he has changed the view of what we view as a dynasty and, and, and sort of longevity for these great programs. And, and a lot of people say, you know, it's very common in college football to see a five to seven year run and then it sort of folds in on itself. And maybe that's what we're seeing with Dabo. But I think there's a lot of people that miss the why. Miss the why when it comes to Nick Saban and why he's been able to stay at the top of the college football world so long. It's because he evolves. When he needs to spread it out, when he needs to get a premier quarterback, he does that. When he needs to revert back to running and playing defense like he's seen Georgia do the past two years, he does that. When he needs to use the transfer portal, even when it frustrates him, he does that. And and there's a guy like, I mean, you look at Dabo Sweeney, he's been resistant to all that change. And I was, you mentioned Georgia. That's another element to this. So we know how close Clemson, South Carolina is to Atlanta, Georgia, which is one of the, the most fertile hotbeds in recruiting in all of high school football. I think Clemson, I mean, you think about that one year where they had four first-rounders on the line of scrimmage, like Cleveland Farrell and mm-hmm. all those guys up front. I think Georgia now is getting one or two. And I mean, all it takes is one or two guys in the yep. line to change things. I think Georgia – based on what they've done, based on what Smart is doing in Athens, I think they're getting some of Clemson's defense alignment that That's may have gone fair. to Clemson a few years ago and are now ended up in Athens, Georgia. No, no, I'll say this. Dabo still does an unbelievable job. Clemson still does an unbelievable job with high school recruiting. I mean, they, they still do... I mean, they get five-star after five-star. They're always going to be a top three to top five recruiting class. But they have to start attacking the transfer portal and getting guys that are experienced, that understand what's expected of them. And and I, I, you know, I think the past two years with DJU, people can talk about DJU not living up to the hype. And certainly that, that's fair. 
Um, but they have been able to still win 10, 11 games because that defense has still been phenomenal. I don't see that this year. I don't think that they can be as offensively inept as they looked in game one and still win ball games at that same clip because the defense is just not up to snuff compared to what it's been the past, you know, five, six years. I mean, Cleveland Farrell ain't walking through that door. Dexter Lawrence ain't walking through that door. Uh, Christian Wilkins ain't walking through that door. Trenton Simpson ain't walking through that door. Isaiah Simmons ain't walking through that door. Yeah. That that talent is dried up. Gosh, and it's a shame because Isaiah Simmons wanted to go to Arkansas and Brett Bielema didn't think he was big enough. Man, what just, a stud, too, by the way. Yeah, I know. That just breaks my heart. Dude runs like a 4-3 or 4-4 <laughs> camp, and he's like, oh, where would we put him? Well, you put him on the field, Brett. Uh, <laughs> so back to your to your Clemson thing, yeah, the, the defense watch. I wonder – like Tony Elliott, it's now in in Charlottesville, Virginia. I, I don't know if Brett Venables is a head coach. We'll see this year, Norman, and then we'll see what happens in the SEC. Yep. But how much of an impact he had? Not only not huge, just, yeah, on defense they're good. They're so good at recruiting, as you just mentioned. But what he did for that defense. Some guys are just coordinators, like Bud Foster and Blacksburg for years. Just a great coordinator for Virginia Tech. Some guys are just built that way and I, I do wonder how much of a loss that is for Dabo Sweeney is losing his longtime DC. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. I, I do wonder though, Brent Venables, this is year two now with Oklahoma. What what are your expectations for them? I thought they look I mean, uh Tigers, uh my Tigers are taking on Arkansas State at Arkansas State this week and they absolutely Oklahoma wiped the floor with them seventy three nothing. Dylan Gabriel looked good. Do you think this is gonna be improvement this year for him? I would think there's there's got to be or there's a chance he's gone. I mean, Gabriel, what has happened to Arkansas State, by the way? Uh, I mean, Butch yep. Jones, it, it, that, that program is a shell of itself. That, that's one of the better group of five programs in, in college football. You think that some of the guys, I mean, Harson, Gus Malzahn, um, some of the guys that have gone through that program. Well, one year, Hugh Freeze. Yeah, that's a great point. And they're just, I mean, they're bad right now. Memphis will beat, they'll, they'll tear them up. In I hope so. Because I'll say this with Memphis. I, I, th- I need them against, you know, the navies of the world, the Arkansas states of the world. They need to leave no doubt. Yeah. They need, they no, need to not, not let those games be close. They need to cover the spread. Make me well, feel better about it. <laughs> your, your original question is about Oklahoma. I mean, you've got it. Dylan Gabriel's been around college football, it seems like a decade. So you've got that leadership at the quarterback position. And then others, I mean, what, what killed them last year is their defense, which you wouldn't expect from Venables. But if they're better there, and if they just have Gabriel at quarterback, I would expect them to take a jump. Now, I don't think they're necessarily going to win the Big 12. That's going to be a fun race to watch in Texas and Oklahoma's final year. But, I mean, they can't get worse than they were last year. And yeah. Six and seven for Oklahoma. That's that's disastrous. Yeah, they they expect way more than that, Gabe. Yes, no question. Now Arkansas, fifty six thirteen, week one versus West Carolina, Western Carolina. Did you uh, did you learn anything? Was there anything uh, of note to 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 bring to the show today? Yeah, I mean they they had some offensive line issues. I'll start there since you played the position. Uh, they they had a guy out. They're they're start one of their starters and the captain, and they shifted some guys around. So. That was an issue, run blocking. But I mean, when you stack the line of scrimmage, you throw the football. Arkansas looked really good. They just didn't get a lot of rushing yards. Kent State nearly gave up 400 to Gus Malzahn and UCF. So I expect Arkansas to be able to run the football. But there was some some criticisms. One about some injuries maybe heading into this weekend. But at the end of the day, Gabe, they covered. 
and they won handily. And yep. That's what honestly matters. Yes, no question. Now, how do you uh, how do you feel? I know you picked again. We talked about it earlier in this conversation. You picked LSU to win the West. How'd you feel about Alabama, Jalen Milrow, Week One? I know it's Middle Tennessee State, but accounted for five touchdowns. Um, looked solid throwing the ball. 18 for 23, I believe. 194 yards, three touchdowns through the air. Um, is that a guy that that can pace that offense? Do you do you think they should feel comfortable with Jalen Milrow running the show? At least in week one, I was a little concerned from my vantage point because I don't think Alabama is going to win the West, um, but he looked good. So I'm hoping he takes a downturn. He better score against Texas. I mean, they're not yep. holding. I know Quinn Ewers didn't throw the deep ball that well this past week, but he'll be better. I mean, this is the game that he felt like was taken from him last year when he got injured. I mean, if he's in there, no disrespect to Hudson Card, they win that football game. So, I, I mean, Bama, at least from a week one performance, looked good. They'll run the football. Texas will have a tough time stopping that. But I, I still I still believe that Ewers and company, even with that seven, eight-point spread, are going to walk into Tuscaloosa on Saturday night and win that football game. Now, watching Jalen Milrow, this is what I'll say. If I'm giving Texas any word of advice about how to – stop that offense, especially sort of the passing attack. I know they're going to run the ball a lot, and that's going to be tough for Texas to deal with, especially at Tuscaloosa. But get Jalen Milrow past his first read. That, that's one thing you need to do. He didn't get tested like that at all against Middle Tennessee State. Everything was a first read, throwing it, getting it out in, in less than three seconds, and getting some run after catch. If Texas can bottle that up and uh, try to get him through his progressions, I think they could have some success. And I was reading some Alabama beat reporters um, articles and discussions following spring and fall, and I mean they're not confident in the wide receivers. I don't know if that changed after last week or that's chance to change any point. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The season, but outside of Burden, and maybe there's an unheralded guy, or at least a guy I don't know of, I don't know if you're necessarily scared of any Bama receiver. I mean, there's no Judy. There's no Devontae Smith. There's no one out there that you're just like, oh, my gosh, we cannot leave this guy in single coverage. Yep. If you're Texas, you've got to take a chance. You also kind of have to spy slash keep him in the pocket because, trust me, we saw firsthand in Fayetteville last year how dynamic Jalen Milrow could be when he gets outside the pocket. The fall off, the fall off at wide receiver since two years ago when all the guys got hurt um, and Ja'Cory Brooks was sort of the main receiver that, 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 that Bryce Young had to throw to, obviously in the natty, um, the fall off's been pretty substantial, huh, at Alabama yeah. at the wide receiver position. And I don't know. So you, you mentioned the injuries with John Mechie and Jamison Williams. I, I don't know what happened because I mean you were you were cycling through. Alabama went from having the best running backs in college football 
to, for probably a three-year stint, the best wide receiver, if not the best, like, core group in all the country. And then it's just, it evaporated. Like, you had the best quarterback that Nick Saban's ever coached, maybe that's played in Tuscaloosa. And at one point, he doesn't have anyone to throw the ball to outside of, like, Slade Bolden, which right. I, mean, I love Slade Bolden, but he, he's not a, <laughs> he's not the alpha number one wide receiver in the room. I say I love him. I don't like him. He's a crimson tie. But that was that was one of those things where it was just so confusing to me because you just assume Alabama, as Coach puts it, blanks out another player. I just I assumed they'd do that receiver. They didn't, and they haven't been the last couple of years. I don't know, Gabe. I don't know where the answer lies. I guess they're all going to Ohio State now, like Marvin Harrison Jr. Yep. Yeah, no, I hear it. I hear when I don't blame them. I don't blame them at all. Brian Hartline's been an unbelievable wide receiver coach. And I would imagine if Ryan Day ever steps into the NFL realm or um, they they have a coaching switch, Brian Hartline has to be next in line, I would think, at Ohio State. Yeah, and you know what's, what's crazy about that transition a couple years back is you didn't hear a peep about Urban Meyer stepping down and they get that job, and it's pretty successful at first. Then all of a sudden they've gotten cracked by Michigan the last two years and people are calling for his head, saying he should go to the NFL. I mean, this is a big year for Ryan Day. You're going to the big house. J.J. McCarthy, Corum, those guys look good in week one. We'll see what they do the rest of the season. I mean, that could be that could be a potential top three matchup heading into the big house. I mean, because SEC teams are going to lose at some point. So I would think we it's almost going to date back to like 06 when you had – Kenny and Troy Smith going at each other. We are headed for that type of matchup when it comes to the game featuring Ohio State and Michigan. Doesn't it feel like there's two coaches that fit that bill, though? Like, Ryan Day is one where, okay, you have gotten – this program's stayed at the heights that the previous guy left it. Um, but at the same time, you have not gotten any farther. You haven't won that natty that everybody seemingly wants. You're still recruiting at a high level. You're doing a good job, but you're not quite getting over the hump. Lincoln Riley's another guy. At USC, I understand what he did at USC in year one, changing everything around. USC has not been relevant uh, you know, since in the, in the 2010s, and Lincoln Riley made them relevant last year. But that's another guy who just does seemingly does not get his teams fully over the hump to be legitimate college football playoff national champion uh, championship contenders. Like, yeah, they're contenders, but they, you know, seemingly – when they get into that that first round matchup, you get worried about them losing early and not making it to the heights that they want to get to. Yeah, they don't play any defense, right? right? I mean, Days at least had some teams and some coaches that will coach defense. Riley's teams haven't played defense. I don't know why Greenwich is still out there on staff. Yep. It, doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. So that's – I mean, you cannot win a national championship without at least – if your team gives up points – you have to force turnovers, right? If you're a defense that gives up points, you've got to force turnovers. And they don't necessarily do that either. Yep. So um, for USC, which the Pac-12 race is probably it's going to be as tough as it's been since Lincoln's been out at, in, in Los Angeles with Colorado, with Oregon State, with Oregon. Bo Nix is looking good. So it's not a cakewalk exactly to the Pac-12 championship or the college football playoff either i i don't i mean if you're if you're a bed man i don't know if i necessarily put solid money that usc is going to make it this year either yeah i i think it's i guess the overwhelming point with ryan day and lincoln riley is nationally they're looked at pretty positively but in those local markets i don't know if they're looked at as positively as as the national media may 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 view them yeah no i i think so because i mean Again, and the other thing is, it, it's not an afterthought. USC football is not an afterthought out there, but there's so much to do. There's so many professional 
uh, teams out in like Los Angeles. And I know like you guys, of course, have the Grizzlies, but I mean, college football, that is, that is an SEC mecca. Of course, you've got the Tigers. They're a huge hometown favorite. Uh, there's so there's so much passion with college sports. I, mean, I have friends that live in Los Angeles area. Like it, it's just not it's not even close to being the same. The fact that they had the national championship out there was it last year, two years ago, was a travesty. No tailgating. How can you not tailgate yep. for the national Insane. championship? That's a joke. Insane. Insane. Now, uh, last thing for you, Ty. After week one, um, when we talk about sort of the top ten, top fifteen teams in the country, who are you buying? Who are you selling? Man, I'll stay within the state. I mean, I like what I saw from Joe Milton in Tennessee, and, yeah. and I've felt for a while now since the summer that they were going to beat Georgia. I think they want revenge for what happened in Athens last year, and Joe didn't show me anything that I that made me think otherwise. They got a three-headed monster running back. Yep. Uh, I think they're going to give Georgia all they wanted more when they head to Knoxville and play in, in Neyland Stadium coming up in a couple months. Mm-hmm. Now, who 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 are you completely just? Uh, maybe they won week one, but you're you're not fully bought into. I still think. I mean, Alabama people will say that. I'm still not. I'm still not 100 sold. Maybe it's because I want it to happen. Maybe it's more than it is going to happen. <laughs> right. People are the fall off. Jump. Yeah, and I just I, I'm curious. I mean, Texas is going to come here looking for revenge on what happened last year. And listen, you bet on Texas, you're going to lose more than you win, but. I'm hoping in this case that I'm betting on them. They actually come through for once. So I can't believe I'm actually wanting the Texas Longhorns to win, but I think it helps my case when it comes to Alabama and maybe what could be the beginning of the end for Nick Saban in Tuscaloosa. If Texas wins this game, somewhat of a fast track to a college football playoff berth, right? Obviously you'll have to deal, they'll have to deal with Oklahoma, and we'll see how that goes. Uh, deal with Kansas State, but that'll be at home. But, it, it, I mean, seemingly Texas could be on a, on a crash course for the Big 12 it, championship and the college football playoff if they get through this one. Gabe, isn't it crazy? They haven't won the Big 12 since 2009. It's insane. It's been over a decade. Yep. The Texas Longhorns haven't won a conference championship in nearly 15 years. That I, I can't even like wrap my mind around how arrogant that fan base is and that you can't even hold up a conference championship in nearly 15 years. But hey, maybe the last year in the Big 12 was their year. We'll have to yeah. wait and see. It's going to be a fun season. There's, there's a lot of – there seems to be – a lot of fan bases out there that think more highly of themselves than their trophy case should uh, should make them feel. They 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 yeah. feel, <laughs> you know what I mean. Texas A and M's one of them as well. A little cultish. Oh, they're the worst. Yeah, they're the they're the worst in all of sports. Like that no <laughs> the national championships trophy that's ready to be built. The the basketball team, the baseball team. I mean, it's just it, College Station when it comes to that. The and even more than Texas is where Texas at least has championships and traditions. Texas A&M has nothing. Yep, no question. No question. Well, Ty, appreciate it, man. We'll do it again next week. You got it, Gabe. Yes, sir. He is co-host of the Morning Rush, 6 to 9 a.m. Monday through Friday at ESPN Arkansas. Hit that line, Arkansas. Um, you can find him on X at Ty Sports Radio. He is Ty Richardson. I need to go ahead and get to the Blitz. And in the Blitz, the Lakers have made a hell of an addition to their team. Christian Wood, who averaged 16 and 7 last year with the Mavs, has agreed to a two year deal with the Los Angeles Lakers. More on that next, 92.9 FM ESPN. Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Coon Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. 
listen, we live in Memphis. Disasters hit us. <laughs> we have a lot of different things that happen, whether it be tornadic activity, uh, whether it just be thunderstorms that hurt your house, your home, your office, your residential properties, whatever it may be. If you have a disaster, call Service Master by Cornerstone. They're the largest franchise in a 600-mile radius, but they're the best franchise in a 600-mile radius as well. They've been awarded Service Master's Franchise of the Year Award, meaning they're the number one Service Master Restore franchise in the United States of America. Whether it is water damage, frozen pipes, toilet overflows, you have a fire and there's smoke damage, you need mold remediation, or it's just good old damage caused by all these storms that hit us on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis, call Service Master by Cornerstone. No matter the place, no matter the size, they're here to help with the damage. It could be a school. It could be an office. It could be your residential properties. It could be your own home. Tyler, the president and over- owner of Service Master by Cornerstone, and his team are here to help you at these moments. Their motto is, we don't pray for disaster. We just pray that we get called when there is one. So remember the name, locally owned, locally operated, Service Master by Cornerstone. They take pride in what they do, and they're going to help you and respond in your time of need. Now, respond is the active word because that's their number. 901-RESPOND. 901-R-E-S-P-O-N-D. 901-RESPOND for Service Master by Cornerstone. Now, we're live from the Service Master by Cornerstone studios, and it's time to hop into the Blitz. Now, the biggest stories overloading the line of bull rush of info. It's Gabe's Blitz on the Gabe Coon Show on 92.9 FM ESPN, Memphis' sports station. And always remember... That the Blitz is brought to you by Sissy's Log Cabin. Connor, what you got for me? Christian Wood has signed a two-year deal with the Los Angeles Lakers. $5.7 million over two years for Christian Wood. That is a steal. Well done, Lakers. Listen, I understand Christian Wood has his shortcomings on the defensive end. That's fine. But at the same time, this is an offensive juggernaut in a lot of ways when you put him on the floor and let him go cook. 16.7 rebounds last year when he played for the Mavs. And this is a guy who, when he was playing for the Mavs, Made right around $14, 15000000 million. And now he's on a two-year, $5.7 million deal. Rob Palenka, I, you got to tip the cap. You got to tip the cap. This has been an unbelievable offseason. Uh, I, I, I think until this point, the Lakers got a lot of credit for doing just what they needed to do. Resigning Rui, re-signing D'Angelo Russell, re-signing um, Austin Reeves. Those all made sense. Everybody knew that they needed to do that, but they got a lot of credit for doing that. But adding Gabe Vincent, Cam Reddish on a on a vet minimum, Jackson Hayes to potentially help out uh, your your front court depth. You bring in Torian Prince, who is good on both ends of the floor. You got him for pennies on the dollar, and now Christian Wood for pennies on the dollar. There's a lot of teams in the Western Conference that we still have questions about. What are the Grizzlies going to look like uh, with uh, with Marcus Smart instead of Dylan Brooks with the Suns? What are the Suns going to look like with less depth but adding more firepower in Bradley Beal? That's a question. I think that the Lakers, without without question, have made themselves a better team, actively a better team this offseason. And uh, they are, I mean, as we start the year, they are going to be one of my favorites to win the Western Conference. Um, now, injuries could hit. We know that they have some aging superstars in LeBron James and Anthony Davis and seemingly Anthony Davis. Again, it's like dropping a phone on the ground without a phone case, an iPhone on the ground without a phone case. You never know how it's going to look when he falls down game to game. Is he going to be able to stay healthy? But this team is well put together. If they have the luck of good health, they could really test everyone in the Western Conference. So, I mean, I I hate to see the Lakers uh, be sort of my big winner in the Western Conference of the offseason, but they are. 
Yeah, I mean, the Lakers have had a tremendous offseason. They really have. The biggest deal about this, though, is that it is going to allow LeBron to kind of coast through the regular season. Because, like you said, the Lakers, they got better. They got better. They were already pretty good last year, but they brought in reinforcements. That Austin Reeves signing only being $56 million in total is the reason a lot of these moves were able to be made. So Rob Palenka and the Lakers deserve a ton of credit for that deal happening. What's also strange, though, why didn't anybody else in the league try to test them to try to push up that price because a little bit? They were going to match they everything. They made it known that they were going to match but, everything. So people, I guess teams were just like, it's not even worth it. But you could drive up the price it. for free, theoretically. Yeah, I guess, it, I guess it was one of those deals, though, where I, I'm curious if the teams that thought about driving up that price for teams that couldn't really afford it if if they were like, ah, that's too much. But like, they you had know, some but they had some leftover like spending I hey, power. I don't know. It because happened, no though. one no one pressed them on it. And th- and that's what we see here. I mean Christian Wood for five million dollars total over two years, five, six million dollars, is a Huge Ridiculous steal. steal. People were talking about Christian Wood as a guy to bring him for the Grizzlies. And the reason we didn't think he was a good fit with, for the Grizzlies was, you mentioned it, his defensive side of the basketball. He's not very good. He's kind of a traffic cone on defense. But on the Lakers, when you have Jared Vanderbilt, when you have Torian Prince, when you have Anthony Davis, when you have Jackson Hayes, yes. when you have all these big guys already, you don't need when him to play Rui, defense. When you have Rui, can Rui, play a little defense. You just need like... him to cook. You need him to throw <laughs> in the ball and go get some buckets. And that's what Christian Wood can do. He also gets a block here, too. He's decent rebounding. I think he had seven rebounds last season for the Mavericks. So this is an excellent pickup for the Lakers. But I think the biggest deal about it is that they have constructed a team to where Anthony Davis and LeBron James do not have to put up huge numbers every every single night. LeBron doesn't have to average 30 points a game as a 39, 40-year-old. I mean, heck, you have Austin Reeves who can put up some offensive uh, production. You have D'Angelo Russell, Rui. Now you have Christian Wood. Gabe Vincent has had his moments, especially in the playoffs last year with the Heat. They have guys that can go put the ball in the basket. And, you know, with those two guys aging and Anthony Davis and LeBron James, that's massive. And, And one thing about Christian Wood, one thing that is always, you know, sort of bit him in the butt as far as narratives are concerned is sort of role acceptance. The fact that he took a two-year, $5.7 million deal shows me that, hey, maybe he understands ahead of time that his role with the Lakers is going to be slightly diminished compared to what he thinks he, sh- he should be getting as far as, like, the ball in his hands, the, the opportunities game to game. Absolutely. It was, uh, it was reported last night that the reason he's taking a deal like this is he wants to become a premier free agent. That's why that second year has a player option. So if he has a big year for the Lakers and feels like he showed his value, he can opt out of that deal and go sign somewhere else for a bigger deal. He's made about $50 million in career earnings already, which is really good for a guy like Christian Wood, really good for a journeyman like him. So excellent signing by the Lakers. It's kind of strange you stayed on the free agent market this long. Yeah, I kind of forgot he was there. Yeah. I, I, like honestly, I forgot when he when he popped up last night. Like, like he's a useful, he's a useful player. That? He is. It's just I think it was probably the idea that he was going to be pricier because he's been making thirteen, fourteen, <laughs> fifteen million dollars the last few years, and now he's making two point five a year, three million dollars a year, something like that. So it's just it's a big steal. For the Lakers have gotten a lot of steals. They have past it's, few years. Torian I mean, Rui Poole. last year was a big steal. Kendrick Nunn and a couple second round picks got you Rui, and Nuts. he was unbelievable. Palinka deserves a lot of credit, man. I, I feel like that he doesn't get the credit no. he deserves because LeBron and AD, and there's this idea of LeBron runs the team and things like that. But the moves he has made from the deadline to now 
are really solid moves. They've been going to get hoopers. They've been going to get guys that fit. They're not necessarily going and getting LeBron's guys. They're getting that's what I'm the saying. best that's, players for their team. That's where the narrative is going to go with some of the national media is, okay, is, is LeBron calling any shots anymore? Is this Rob Palenka finally cooking uh, without using LeBron's advice? I would imagine LeBron's always in his ear to a certain extent, but this feels like this is a lot of, lot of Rob Palenka pulling the strings, and, and LeBron may be taking a little bit of a backseat. Yeah, maybe. But, I again, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know the full inner workings, but this, is, this has been an impressive offseason, nonetheless, for the Lakers. Lane Kiffin had something to say about the new clock rules. People pay to see. They sit down with their family to watch a game. Now we're going to shorten it. It's not like it was broke, and there's a lot of problems that need to be fixed in the world around college football. Uh. Okay, I, I like I, I guess I see his plight to a certain extent. Uh, you have a high-powered offense; you want to show that high-powered offense as much as you want. But for those that have been living under a rock, the new clock rules are um, the the clock will finally stop on first down or won't stop on first downs, won't stop when you go out of bounds, except for the last two minutes of the second quarter and the fourth quarter, which is just basically what the NFL rules are. Um, and I, I tend to like it. I, I like the fact that college football is updating their rules to mimic the NFL a little bit more. I always have had an issue, for example, with college basketball. Yes. We play two halves. We're not, I mean, you don't have a defensive three second call. So the game is so much different in college than, than the pros. So when some of these college players get to the pros, they have a, a little bit of a learning curve they have to go through. Maybe you eliminate some of that with the new clock rules. Uh, in college football. Um, but, I mean, here's the thing. I feel like coaches are noticing the clock rules substantially more than us sitting at home. Yes. I have not really – it has not changed my viewing experience. It hasn't inhibited it. It hasn't swung a game that I thought um, would have been different had the rules been what they were last year and previously. So, I mean – Sure, I get Lane wants to show his offense as much as he can. He wants to play with the clock. He wants to play with tempo. He wants the clock to stop on first downs and out of bounds. But, I I mean, for me, watching, hadn't done anything. This weekend, I didn't even notice it until the commentators started talking about it. I mean, it'll affect some – if you're betting totals, it may affect a couple totals. But I think the the betting market will start shifting to where – it may not affect him as much. Yeah, uh, to be honest, I didn't notice at all this weekend. I watched a ton. If you're of, better, right? I watched a ton of college football over the weekend, and I didn't really notice. Now, I, I to your point, I don't think it's had a huge impact on a game yet. I'm curious if the first time it does, there will probably be a discussion around it then. But to your point, I do think that it's probably best that you have but, that you have rules that mimic the NFL. That that's seems what I'm like that seems like the the pathway to be on. I mean, if you're if. You're, <laughs> I mean, ultimately, if you're mimicking the NFL, I think you're doing the right thing. If you're mimicking how the game is played in America, you're doing the right the thing. The most popular so, sport in the as country. As much as Lane Kiffin has, <laughs> as much as Lane Kiffin has these issues, I, I, I see it as a as a relative non-issue. It's certainly adjust, adjust a little bit, and I don't even think it takes that major of an adjustment to to deal with these new clock rules. It's certainly to your point. I have heard about I have heard from coaches talking about it far more than I have from any fans. My biggest issue would have been cuz they were talking about, you know, not stopping the clock on incompletions. I thought that would have been That foolish. would be wild. But what they've done here, totally okay with it. Lane Kiffin, he'll adjust. It'll be fine. I do think his point is well taken though. There's one point there that is well taken. The consumer didn't ask for it. 
I, like, sure. Maybe yeah. there were some people within the margins that said, hey, we need to shorten these games. Sometimes you get two pass-happy teams, all these damn incompletions, all these first downs. The clock stops too much. It extends the game too much. But I think most people were fine with what 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 the game length was previously. So I, I think there is an aspect of this to if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But I like the mimicking of the college rules, trying to at least follow the NFL's path to a certain extent. Seth Wickersham wrote a story on ESPN about the Broncos offseason and Sean Payton's approach with Russell Wilson. And he was Sean Payton was quoted saying, Will you effing stop kissing all the babies? You're not running for public office when talking to Russell Wilson about his public image. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I get annoyed with Russell Wilson, too. I think that a lot of the things that he puts out there in the public, Broncos country, let's ride, he's doing high knees on the plane when they're playing overseas and waking up his teammates, and he had his own office when Nathaniel Hackett was there last year. It's annoying, and it, it comes off to a certain extent, a little bit phony, like he's trying to protect his public image and make people like him more. He's fine. He was fine as is. I think it, it has almost worked in the opposite way. Like, I think it's worked to the detriment of his public image. It's a image. bit off-putting. Yes, it's become off-putting as he got out of Seattle and, you know, worked that direction. Now, I will say this about uh, uh, Sean Payton. There's two ways this is going to work out with dealing with Russell Wilson this way because Pete Carroll – Got a lot out of Russell Wilson, and he let Russell Wilson be Russell Wilson. Like he he didn't stop. Okay, you, you want an office in here? You want to you know study? You want to uh, sort of be a, held in a higher regard than a lot of your teammates? We'll do that. Um, but on the back end, you saw some of his teammates come out against it. Richard Sherman's not a big fan of Russell Wilson. A lot of the Legion of Boom guys on the defensive side of the ball will say, hey, we won that Super Bowl, not Russell Wilson, so why does he get so much credit? Why does he get held in such high regard? But Pete Carroll ultimately got a Super Bowl out of him and another Super Bowl appearance that they ultimately lost. So Pete Carroll showed at least a little bit of uh, giving him a little bit of leeway can work in your direction. Sean Payton's not that way. Um, So this is either, in my opinion, going to work out in a big way for the Broncos and they can compete in the AFC West or this will fall flat on its face because Russell Wilson doesn't feel like he's being treated how he should be treated. I'm curious. Um, I think there's a lot. I mean, there's a trading range of what the Broncos can get done this year, and it's pretty massive. Yeah. Yeah. You know, sometimes somebody's just a dork, and I think that's what Russell Wilson is. The weirdest thing about all of this, these things is that I do think there's an earnest, like, like angle to it. I don't think he's doing it to try to like I do think he's trying to protect, protect public image. I also just think he's kind of a cheesy dude. Yes. You know like it it's it, it's NPC behavior, but it's also kind of authentic he's at always, the same time. He's always been corny. Yeah, it's yeah, like I mean, he's just kind of that guy. That's just kind of who he is. So it it's annoying. I understand why it annoys Sean Payton. I understand why he's like, "Hey man, we need to refocus this thing to football, especially considering the season we had last year." I also understand how that thing may have gone off the rails with Nathaniel Hackett as we've seen from Hard Knocks. I am a fan of him as a as a coordinator, as a head coach. I could see the energy of Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson just completely losing a locker room. You know, if those are your two quote-unquote leaders, if you're a guy, you're like, these are the two guys that yep. are leading us. That could be tough. So having Sean Payton there to offset Russell Wilson's weirdness might be a good thing for and the And say, saying he's telling Russell Wilson, you're one of the guys. Yes. You're not 
you're not who you think you yeah, were when relax. you came here. Relax. Yes, I know you're the two hundred thirty million dollar man, but come on, brother. Yeah, you got you got to you got to sort of hold yourself yeah. to account. We, we let especially you, after last year, how bad you were. We let you cook last year, and we got food poisoning. Yes, okay? exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But no, I, I look at this Broncos team. One thing that's uh, I think is going to be massive for them, they're going to have to create some uh, big plays in the run game. Javante Williams is going to have to have a breakout year. And then uh, as, as far as their wide receiver room is concerned, I trust Cortland Sutton. He has been a consistent pro his entire career. But Jerry Judy finally got back onto the practice field today. So you sort of wonder if he's going to be able to stay healthy or he's going to have nagging injuries as he has throughout his career. But if those guys can stay healthy, I think Russell Wilson can cook a little bit this year, get that pass game going. Because defensively, they have what they need. They signed Frank Clark. DJ Jones is a great player. Nick Bonito out of uh, Oklahoma a few years ago is a good edge rusher. Their they're secondary, they, they have Randy Gregory, I forgot to mention. Their secondary is loaded. Pat, Pat Sertan is one of the more underrated corners in the league. I think he's one of the best corners in the league, especially being as young as he is. Kareem Jackson's a longtime pro. Justin Simmons is one of the best safeties in the league. This Broncos team has a lot of talent, but Sean Payton's got to bring it out of them, and I think it's going to ride on Russell Wilson. Can he get with the program, or is he going to get left? I think Mims Jr. is a receiver to watch out for, too. They've yeah. got good depth there. If they can stay healthy, they're going to have weapons. Marvin Mims, we'll see. I like Mims. Okay. I like, we'll my, I like Mims. We'll see. At least he's not Denzel Mims. Denzel Mims never worked out. Don't even know who that is. Yeah. But Marvin Mims, we'll see. I like Marvin. Out of Oklahoma, we'll see. Gonna be gonna be fun to watch. Gonna be fun to watch. But that'll do it for the Blitz. We have one more segment left today. That will be the rewind when we return on the Gabe Coon Show, ninety two nine FM, ESPN. Now it's the rewind. Now we play a battle rewind. Brought to you by Memphis Barbecue Company. Rewind on ninety two nine. One day away from Thursday night football. Lions at Chiefs tomorrow. As we get off the air, how's everyone feeling? That's what I want to know. Chiefs are five-and-a-half-point favorites at the moment, but I'm not convinced that it's going to be easy for them to cover that regardless of if they're at home or not. No Chris Jones means that they'll have a tough time rushing the passer. The Lions' offensive line, uh, to me, is the top three group in the NFL. And if Travis Kelsey has hurt or even slowed down, the top two targets for Patrick Mahomes are Kadarius Toney and Sky Moore. And maybe throw in Justin Ross as a third. I mean, this is going to be a very interesting uh, early season matchup to see where the Chiefs are at. Uh, if they don't get Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones, you know, back in and, and going here relatively soon, I think it sort of limits their ceiling. But uh, I would expect both of them before the end of the year to be sort of clicking on all cylinders. Regardless, tomorrow it will be upon us, and I know you guys are absolutely positively ready for it. What's the biggest game tonight? Presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. We know what it'll be tomorrow, but tonight Astros versus Rangers at 7.05 again. I was way wrong yesterday, but it'll be in Arlington. We have Scherzer versus Verlander. Guys that got traded from the Mets earlier this year, they were teammates at the beginning of the year. The total is 8.5. Now, here's the thing. Both teams are in the same division. And they want to show what they're made of, the teams. Also, these guys who were teammates and are premier starters in Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander, they want to show what they're made of. Totals 8.5 go under. It's minus 110 on FanDuel. Take it right now. Thank me later. Fast forward. Fast forward. We'll get you prepped for Thursday night football. We'll get to some uh, week two college football. We'll have a matchup in Tuscaloosa for a whole lot of college football playoff contentions for some uh, college football playoff marbles with Texas and Bama. I'll tell you how Texas can get over the top in Tuscaloosa. Also, we'll have some Tiger football. 
to discuss. They're on the road at Arkansas State. I know Arkansas State got hammered by Oklahoma 73-0 in week one. But Tigers, the Tigers have to be careful. We don't know if Arkansas State will be feisty in their home opener. But we'll have discussion on that as well. But that's a wrap for today. Thanks to Ty Richardson and Jeff Calkins for their contributions to the show. We'll meet back here at the same time tomorrow. WMFS FM and HD1 Bartlett. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.